Coming up, another big move by Kelly Clark at Group M as he merges two of his big global media networks. Hello and welcome to ID.com's Media Snack, episode 80. So it's nice to be back. Yes, it is nice to be back. It's been good, a long time. Good to be in the same country for a bit. Um, so today, so we're looking at, we will come on and talk about the, the significant changes that have been going on at Group M, really interesting. And we continue our countdown to the ANA anniversary uh, shortly, yep. and we're going to look at trading in particular and see how that's evolved or changed in the last year. Yeah, moment. media trading, and that's going to cause us to, well, the give us the opportunity to think about some other pitches that have been going on as well. Yep. Uh, all coming up in Media Snack in just the time it takes to eat a sandwich. Okay. Uh, I think this is going to be, a, there's a lot to kind of cover in this episode, so let's just crack straight on. This is a continuing countdown towards the anniversary, which is going to be next week, of the ANA's uh, media transparency report, so one year on. So uh, if you followed the previous episode, you'll know that we're looking at some key areas where we think there's been significant uh, development or change over the last 12 months. Uh, we've looked at transparency, we've looked at talent, we've looked at other areas. Today is media trading. Yeah, it is. So we're going to look at the impact on media buying and particularly looking at you know, the big network agencies and, and their kind of buying scope yeah. uh, and how that's perhaps evolved. Um, so what the ANA report did, a lot of it was about media buying, right? right because yeah. it was really focused on... You know, uh, clarifying whether the US was a rebate market, yes, that's right. which is going to be a trading practice mm -hmm. where you know, buyers of media might be paid incentives by sellers of media to make certain buying decisions. Yeah, right. um, and so what, what's changed, so in the last kind of 12 months, there's obviously been a lot of scrutiny yeah. and attention drawn, drawn to that. What have we... Well, what have we seen? Well, I mean, we, you know, we can really only talk about the, the projects we've been working on with kind of our clients. And putting aside the, the obligation to be more uh, diligent around kind of contractual practices, yep. from a trading perspective, um, I think what we've seen is, is the requirement for certainly improved pricing, yep. but uh, not at, a, at, a, at risking the quality of the media. Mm -hmm. okay? So the two key principles by which a lot of advertisers are now going into the marketplace is you know, decent competitive trading position, number one, at uh, a strong level of quality. Yeah. But those prices have to be sustainable. Yeah. Okay. So there is, I think there is no longer that requirement to jump over a cliff when yeah. it looks to kind of media pricing. Yeah, which, which we'd observed in previous years, you know, this kind of race to the bottom on costs. So even though the best pitches were just still being, you know, or could go on a go off, go off track at the end where you just ask agencies to kind of underbid and that was really bad practice we were seeing particularly driven by this kind of e-auction technology. Absolutely. So it's still happening, we referenced, we've referenced some I think earlier in the year where we thought they were kind of very e-auction driven pitches um, but in our experience uh, more advertisers thinking about the effectiveness of media and not just lower and lowering pricing and having which, a, is, which is good progress. And having a greater balance on uh, the strategic impact of media uh, yeah. in in alignment with good competitive, healthy, sustainable pricing. Yeah, um, exactly. So I think there's, there's been good progress on that. I think the ANA again, the report can yeah. take a lot of credit for that because it's it's instructed marketing and procurement, made it very clear for them the questions that they need to be asking of their agencies, 
uh, and we've seen really good behaviours perhaps impacted by that by the guidelines yeah. that came out from that. And we've talked about it before, but the, the biggest significance, and I think the biggest value of the ANA report, is that it raised media higher on the corporate agenda. Yeah. So uh, more very senior leaders, business leaders, are now taking a greater interest in media and, yeah. and making sure that perhaps tendering processes are done in a, in a, in a slightly better, stronger way. Yeah, yeah. So having said all of that, yeah. <laughs> we, still, we were still saddened a little bit to see, I mean, bear in mind, this is just a news report, mm. um, but of a pitch that's concluded in the US, uh, which, actually, let's have a look at the headline here, because this is quite a, quite a phenomenal headline in, in Adweek. Uh, it says, to cut costs, Sprint, the mobile uh, provider in the US, picks agency Horizon to handle its media business. Um, and it's a pretty brutal kind of write-up of the pitch that yeah. Sprint have run. It's a $700 million piece of business. Um, and according to the article, um, was really largely driven by cost to the point where it actually says that Horizon really were the only agency left standing uh, able to, to, to deliver on Sprint's savings demands. And in fairness, Horizon have kind of challenged that and yeah. said that, you know, actually the decision was made strategically and that they were able to illustrate the value that they could yeah. add. Which, and they're a good agency yeah. and I'm sure, that, sure they did that. And so it's no reflection necessarily of high Horizon's capabilities. This is, you know, much, if, if true uh, from the client side, it suggests a pitch which really has been perhaps designed to be a race to the bottom with an objective. And this is a company, Sprint, you know, carrying billion billion dollar debts. Um, so this is perhaps behaviors that we might have seen a few years ago, which is companies seeing media as an opportunity to save costs. Yeah. And that will never change. I mean, media is still one of the largest ticket items within an organization. And if a business is doing less well, or if a business is perhaps positioning itself for acquisition yeah. and, and want to make its bottom line look better, they will go to the source of the greatest possible opportunity. Yeah. Now, that's kind of fine, and that will continue to happen. Uh, what I think will happen more and more is that that conversation will be far more open and transparent with the yeah. agency. So rather than perhaps um, you know, hiding the fact that this is going to be a cost-driven exercise and you know, packaging it up in a nice kind of strategic way, the, the conversations that will take place is, yeah. look, this is what I need, okay? And let's, let's go into a long-term relationship where ultimately everything will balance itself yeah. out, but I need a little bit of help at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So perhaps, well, perhaps we, perhaps, you know, uh, Sprint deserve a bit of credit. If, if they've been very upfront to say, listen, we, you know, we've got this massive hole in the business, uh, media is a massive investment. It's a seven hundred million dollar investment. We need your help to save money, yeah. to you know appease our shareholders or help fund a merger or acquisition or whatever it is. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they're more upfront about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can help each other. Yeah. Who knows? That's um, But that flows nicely. We 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 noted, I think, in a previous episode, uh, only a few weeks ago, that. On all the Q1 earnings calls, mm. which are fascinating, we'll come on to talk about those a bit more uh, later in this episode. Um, one of, of all the holding companies, this is, uh, at the end of March, there's a series of calls and they all kind of speak mm. to the analysts and investors. Um, one of the notable quotes that uh, Sir Martin Sorrell, the CEO of WPP, had mentioned was he raised his concern yeah. that his competition, so other agencies, were acting, I think he said that irresponsibly or reckless, recklessly, recklessly 
by you know, agreeing to these heavy commercial demands. And he was suggesting that that's going to create a nasty kind of legacy for the industry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I think at the time we talked about Volkswagen, yeah. you know, if this is really cost driven, maybe this is another one which, you know, hopefully on principle, WPP yeah. didn't, didn't participate uh, in that. Um, and in Q1, the agencies at the same time were posting pretty poor results yeah. across the board. Um, for the first time ever, right? For the first time ever. And so, and uh, if, if you watched last week's episode, I was in San Diego, as you know, um, attending the ANA's uh, big procurement, mm. uh, marketing procurement conference. One of the speakers there, who's been a guest on the show, Brian Weezer, who's uh, uh, an analyst at Pivotal, um, and really the kind of the voice of, of Wall Street perspective on the sector, made this amazing presentation. Mm. Uh, it, it was last thing on the agenda, so it wasn't, there was not enough people there to see it, sadly, but uh, um, really, really interesting. And his thoughts on the Q1 earnings yeah. results, because Wall Street have obviously paid close attention to these things, uh, and that's something that he highlighted, was that the, the growth in organic revenue is the slowest it's been. It's now 1.7% yeah. down from over four, like in recent years. Mm-hmm. And also, in the, if you just look at the US specifically, the agencies in the US specifically, they showed negative growth in Q1 for the first time ever, collectively. Okay, so his, so he thinks this is uh, obviously concerning for investors in the sector, which is why he's looking at it so closely. Um, but I think his his uh, imp- the, what he was implying was, or perhaps the question he was asking the delegates, the marketing procurement community, was. Uh, you know, is this downturn in the, for- the fortunes of agencies, particularly in the US, where this is, these companies shrank yeah. for the first time ever? All of them, right? I mean, that's collectively, yeah. yeah, at different different levels. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as a sector, those six shrank, never happened before. Um, is that in any way related to the activities of the ANA? Increased scrutiny, as you said, like yeah. involvement and, and stakeholder senior stakeholders looking at media. Uh, pressure on terms of business we yeah. talked about last week, and also and also the consultants coming into the business, right? I mean, we talked about taking it, away scope. taking away scope. Yeah. So Accenture Interactive now being the fifth largest uh, communications network yeah. group uh, in terms of revenue and knocking Cabas yeah. out of. So so I mean, this is a this is a, a hugely competitive marketplace, yeah. and they're all fighting for a kind of shrinking pool of businesses. Yeah. You know, asking for more competitive. So exactly, and so, so these, and then you've got, yeah, advertisers maybe asking for, for kind of improved terms at the same time and, and splitting up scope, as you say. So uh, Brian was kind of floating those things out there, asking, are these some of the drivers of this this now downturn yeah. in in the market? And you know, the the evidence is pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that we talk about that is because it segues very nicely into news from yesterday. Yeah. Um, that Group M are talking about merging two big networks. So if Brian and others, ourselves included, had questioned whether there was, there was, you know, a question how agency groups would find that profit growth in the future, uh, or even that revenue growth in the future, um, and maintain the profitability, which they're highly profitable parts of their groups, 
how was that going to come about? Mm. Um, and we got a bit of a glimpse into that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, this is just a brilliant, fascinating story. So um, Kelly Clark, uh, new CEO of Group M, yeah. uh, has decided that he's going to merge uh, two of his networks. So uh, MEC and yeah. Maxis yeah. are going to be merged. Okay, so uh, as of January the 1st, 2018, there will be three key networks. Mm -hmm. So Mindshare, Mediacom, and then still to be named yeah. third network. But what interestingly he's going to do is he's going to invest significantly in Essence. So yeah. Essence is uh, you know, a very highly credible digital agency bought by Group M, I think, in 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Google's agency, so Google was their yeah, founding client. Yeah, that's what's client. famous for. So famous yeah. for that, and so he understands Google's tech stack, and it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant operation. Um, but it only delivers in digital. So this new investment will allow or equip Essence to go and buy offline. It yeah. will have greater network capabilities. They're going to open more offices. Yeah. It's going to have greater talent, I think, brought into, into the business. Mm -hmm. And it indicates to me that Group M uh, see the Essence model as, as the future. Yeah, and, and that will be the new kind of fourth, fourth part of that's Group right. M. Um, so I, th I think there's, you know, it makes a lot of sense. There's a good logic there. And, and, and in the reporting so far and the interviews that Kelly's given, uh, and also Tim Castry, who's, who's the current MEC Global CEO, will yeah. now lead this new agency. Um, you know, they've acknowledged that there will be operate, operational efficiency, so cost control yeah. from merging these two, perhaps duplicating agencies, um, and that the savings that come from that are the, is what's going to perhaps fuel yeah. and uh, power the essence, the investment in essence, uh, to develop I think what's going to be a really interesting proposition. You know, we'd spoken about um, Group M's M platform, which is the um, uh, their kind of audience and data platform, yeah. uh, which I had a chance to see in New York a few weeks ago, which is a very impressive proposition. I think when you put these these new agency entities on top, yeah. um, it's a it's a powerful and differentiated positioning in in the market. It's a really really good play, and I think that. Uh, they will nurture uh, the essence proposition and build it out, and I think it's going to be a hugely appealing proposition yeah. to to many clients. Yeah. Um, so we'll bring it back to trading. Yeah. Um, and the reason that, that we think this is all relevant to trading because you know when you merge two agencies, I mean MEC is a big operation, mm -hmm. right? It's a billion dollar revenue yeah. revenue business, up, uh, and uh, Maxis is about half the size, I think. Um, both in terms of network and in terms of headcount, in terms of revenue. But you put them together, they suddenly become, this merged operation is the third largest yeah. media network in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so it leapfrogs Mindshare and, and Mediacom in the kind of Group M in terms of scale. Uh, but it, it prompts a really interesting question. Um, you know, is scale important now in media buying? Uh, I think to some uh, advertisers, it it probably is. I yeah. mean, if you, you know, I mean, Group M from a trading perspective, always go in at Group M. So whether yeah. you're irrespective of which network you're operating with, uh, it is generally they aggregate buying, aggregate buying yeah. and it is fueled by by the power of, of kind of Group M. But I think f certainly for the the time being, scale is still important, especially for the smaller advertisers. Yeah. For those big, significant advertisers, perhaps less so. 
Um, but for the time being, it, it still is, and it's still a powerful story. It's still a powerful pitch yeah. to uh, to prospective clients and advertisers. I mean, you know, Group M uh, are very eloquent and articulate about the power of scale, not just from a trading perspective, but in their ability to uh, you know secure smart insights from kind of other media owners and, and partners that can kind of fuel strategic kind of data-based yeah. thinking. So they, they play on that a lot, and I think you know, it resonates for the time being. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the, we've spoken before about you know, our expectations, just the way media is bought obviously is going to change. Mm. Um, not just in uh, you know, becoming more automated and optimized through programmatic techniques, but also advertisers perhaps giving, getting access more to self-serve technologies or being able to take more control of buying decisions. Mm. Um, and there's been lots of talk about you know, in-housing of, of yeah. buying capabilities, those kind of things. So that just the, the function of media buying is changing. Mm. Um, and we can see a difference, uh, you, know, you know, bringing to these two essentially service companies, because as you say, they're separate from the scale yeah. buying. Uh, together kind of simplifies that, that model. Group M will still be, remain a, a very large buyer, yeah. uh, buyer of media, but that model is going to change. Yeah. Um, you know, is it, has it all been created by the ANA's transparency report? No, not necessarily, but it's, I think it's really tempting, as Brian Weiser was also saying, you know, to start to say, you know, this, is a, this was a catalyst yeah, for, for change. Um, you know, as Kelly Clark is proving to be a, a big catalyst for changing in Group M, um, and I guess aiming to reverse you know, the decline in the, in the agency market yeah. at the moment. Um, so watch episode 59. We called it the year of change. I think uh, it continues to, to uh, surprise us every week, just the amount of transformation that's, that's going on out there. Um, but I think that's probably enough for this week. Uh, bye for now. Have a good weekend.